Well, good morning, Bridge City Church. Welcome. I'm Pastor Eric. So glad to be here with you. And uh, I just feel prompted in my heart to share this kind of just during worship uh, and during prayer this morning. Psalm 69. It starts off David saying, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. And I believe that there's some of you here today that you're, you're at that place right now, feeling just overwhelmed with life, feeling overwhelmed with the stress and all the stuff and the chaos in the world. And I believe God is saying just what we just sang, sing the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. He silences every fear. He makes the darkness tremble. You have nothing to fear if you know of Jesus, not just about the name, but you know the person of Jesus. And I believe that's something for you today to hold on to this week as you're battling through the stresses of life, whatever you're going through. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's just, just life in general. Speak the name of Jesus. Sing the name of Jesus. Worship his holy name. That will carry you through. Even if nothing else will, that will carry you through. And then you get connected to other believers, other sons and daughters of God, and they'll help carry you as well. I believe that was just something God wanted me to share uh, as we start this morning. Um, but how many of you are, are excited about summer? Anybody excited about summer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Like we had the winter and spring, all the rainy stuff. Now I'm like, I'm so excited about good weather. In fact, there, I love camping in the summer. Any of you love, like camping? Show of hands, a few of you. Any of you actually go like camping in a tent where you got to gather wood to make a fire? Okay, I said like those are, that's real camping. Right? Well, uh, there's an interesting thing that I found out recently is you cannot run in a campground. You can't run in a campground. Not, not that you shouldn't do it or not that you're not allowed to do it. You can't run in a campground. You can only ran in a campground because it's past tense. Okay, I was more than half gub. You can only ran. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Uh, for those of you who haven't got it yet, turn to somebody else and say, what does that mean? Ran is the past tense of run. All right, anyways. Uh, hey, last Sunday, I got awesome after church. I went golfing. Uh, I played Frisbee golf or, or golf Frisbee. I don't, what's it called when you throw the pitching wedge into the woods? Anybody? <laughs> frisbee golf, golf Frisbee. No, I'm kidding. I never threw, throw my golf clubs. I'm like, I, I need that for the next hole. But uh, hey, it's okay to have fun in church. Amen? We should be the happiest, most joy-filled people on the planet. Right? So it's okay to laugh in church. It's okay to have a good time in church and then allow the Holy Spirit to do the work and conviction and all the other stuff that we need, but we should still have fun in the process. Amen? So hey, we're going to be starting, launching into our second part of our Come and See series. Last week we launched it. This is our second week, really looking into Jesus giving the simple invitation to come and see. Come and see. And that's the simple invitation for all of us to get is to learn how we can ask come and see to our friends, our family, and the people in our lives. And with that, let's start by praying. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, God, that we can gather together. God, I thank you that we can gather in a place without fear of gathering, God, that we're allowed to openly gather to worship you, to hear your word, God, to, to build one another up, to sharpen one another. God, I thank you that we have this place that we can just grow together as your body. God, I pray right now you would speak through me. Not, let it not be my words, but let it be your spirit that speaks to each and every person sitting here who can hear my voice. May you speak to our hearts. May you draw us closer to you. 
and help us know how we can walk in a closer obedience to you so that you may receive all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, just to recap last week, uh, John chapter 1, if you weren't here last week, or just to remind you, John chapter 1, we see the first words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of John, when some of John the Baptist's followers began following Jesus. It says, Jesus turned to him and said, what do you want? And they, he asked them, as he asked them, they replied, we want to know where you're staying. I, I think this is, the disciples weren't sure how to answer. They, he said, Jesus like, what do you want? And they're like, I, um, where are you staying? And the reason is they wanted to know where he was staying because they wanted to follow him. They wanted to learn from him. They, they knew there was something about this Jesus that they wanted to be around him. And he says, come and see. And it says they spend the rest of the day with him. And we see this simple invite that Jesus gave to some curious followers. Really simple, just come and see. Come and see. Come and spend some time with me. Come and, and, and see what you're looking for. Because reality is they didn't know what they were looking for. They weren't really sure I believe a lot of us aren't really sure if Jesus were to ask us, what do you want? What is it you seek? Do we really have an answer for him or we say, oh, well, Jesus, where are you? And he says, come and see. Come and be close to me. Come and follow me and I will show you what you're really looking for. And to many of us, uh, you know, we're all called to do good works. And many of the good works we do aren't, aren't preaching publicly, aren't giving a, a doctrinal teaching Really, the good works that God has prepared for us, a lot of it starts with just inviting somebody to come and see. Inviting somebody along with us to come and see this Jesus. Come and see what church can really be about. Come and see what it really means to have joy and have fun and excitement in the walk as a Christian. It's not a bunch of rules, regulations, and religion, but it's life-giving. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Well, we're all called to invite people to meet God. We're also called to be able to give a response and answer for the hope that's within inside of us. First Peter chapter 3, 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere him is to have reverence for him, to have awe for Christ as Lord. Always be ready, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks the reason for the hope you have. The question is, do you have the hope inside of you? If, if nobody's asking you why you're so joyful all the time, why are you always so happy when everything around us seems like it's falling apart? You can say, I have this hope inside of me. I have this hope of, of not just a ethereal, someday I get to go to heaven, but I have a hope that I know where I'm going when I die. And I know my Savior and my Lord to lead me and guide me today. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Not a, I'm better than you, not a, I know the only way to heaven, which is tr- maybe true, but how we deliver that method is with gentleness and respect. Because we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You know that word ambassador, that we are all called to be ambassadors for Christ. Is an ambassador goes to a foreign land or region to represent the nation or organization, wherever they were sent from, their homeland, their home organization. They represent whatever that is. And we, are, as Christ's ambassadors, go into a foreign world to represent Jesus to the world. You know, the longer uh, I'm a Christian, the more I'm, I'm seeing things in the world, the more foreign it becomes to me. Anybody else, you, you see what's on TV, you see what's on current affairs and events and things happening. It, it's so foreign to me anymore. Like, I, I, I'm a part of it, I get it, we're supposed to speak to those things, but it's so foreign, I'm realizing God's sending us as ambassadors to represent him 
to this lost and dying world because we, are all have, we all have a divine responsibility to witness, to relate, to, to bring people to Jesus. We all have to give an account for that someday. What are you doing with the good news that's inside of you? What are you doing with the hope that's inside of you? And how much more we can all do at sharing it and representing Jesus to every person we encounter. Because in Mark 16, Jesus tells the, his followers, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. He doesn't say, go to preach to some people, go to preach just to the ones you like, go to preach to the ones you, you know will say yes to you. He said, go preach to everybody. And I love the, the phrase, if you may have heard of St. Francis of Assisi, he, he said, preach all the time, and when necessary, use your words. Right? Preaching isn't just up on stage orating a sermon, but the way we live our lives speaks volumes, speaks so much more than our words. The way we live separated, holy is to be set apart, separated from the rest of the world. We can live our lives in such a way that people say, you're different. Why, why don't you laugh at all the crude jokes that everyone else laughs at? Why don't you swear and curse like everyone else at work does? Or why don't you participate in the drinking and the smoking and everything else that maybe your friends or people you're around do all the time? See, your actions will speak louder than just saying you're a Christian, just saying you're a follower of Jesus. Instead, he says, go to all the world, go to everybody and invite them to the banquet. If you were here last week, we talked a lot of Luke 14, the great banquet that's to come. In Luke 14, uh, Jesus is sharing the parable of this banquet. God is the founder of the feast. God is the one who, who's prepared the feast. He's prepared the banquet. And he's sending us as a servants, his, as inviters, to go and invite every other person to come. He starts with saying, invite you the people you know. And they, when they say they gave a bunch of excuses, he says, go quickly into the streets and alleys. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Invite the ones that nobody else is going to invite. You know, it's something I love about our church, and I love there's a lot of churches that do a lot of outreach and a lot of uh, street ministry, and they're not just going to take sheep or people from another church. They're going out to reach people at the, their lowest point. That's why I love getting to do street ministry and outreach. Is you see people who know they're lost. They're not religious and have it all put together and think, I don't need that. It's like, no, they, they're like, I need help. I need saving. I need rescued from my drug addiction, from my depression, from my substance abuse, whatever that thing is. Those are the people that he's saying, go and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the ones that religion has cast out, the ones that many churches have even cast out. He continues and says in verse 22, there is still room for more. There is still room for more. That's why we're, we're expanding. For those of you who don't know, we're expanding beyond that wall in the back, a whole kid's wing. Working, working diligently to get that area finished to have larger and better uh, organized kids' rooms for our children's ministry, to expand our footprint here, to expand and make room for more people. So we're always looking at when can we go to two worship experiences? Why do we want to go to two worship experiences? Because we want to make room for more. There's still room for more. As that last couple words are so that the house will be full. God's will is for his house to be full so as many people as possible will begin a relationship with them. As many people as possible. We never want to get to a place where it says, we've had enough, we, we, we filled the seats, filled the parking lot, we're good, let's just maintain. No, God's will is for his church to continually grow and be multiplied, to populate heaven and depopulate hell. The problem is oftentimes we don't realize God is not hard to find. 
When it comes to inviting your friends, inviting people you know to come to church, to come and see, God's not hard to find. In fact, Acts 17, and there's a lot in these verses in Acts 17, but right near the end, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. It says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. In the, in the Greek language, that to feel their way toward him, it's like uh, groping around in the dark. Any of you have ever woke up in the middle of the night and need to go to the restroom, right? The bathroom, you, sometimes you don't want to turn the light on. You're groping around, find the bathroom. The more you're in your house, the longer you're in your house, the less likely you are to run into a wall, right? Now, when you have kids, you got to step on the Legos, you step on the toys. I'm, I'm learning that more and more now. Um, you know, the, the idea of the groping around, and feel, you'll find your way there. You'll find him the more you're searching for him. The more you're looking for him, you'll find him. And in fact, Matthew 7, 7, it's not on a slide, but it says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Jeremiah 29, 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In fact, Deuteronomy 4, 29 says the same thing. Search me with all your heart, and you will find me. God's not hard to find. In fact, he's looking for us. It's a tremendous misunderstanding to think God is hard to find. Not to mention theologically, he's everywhere. He's always present, but he's not hard to find if we truly seek him with our whole hearts. We seek him with our, and the point here is when you invite somebody, they will find God. If somebody's really looking for God, they'll find him. Because Jesus is looking for him. God is looking for him. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, I, I don't really know where God is. I feel far from God. I'm here to tell you God's looking for you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He wants to connect with you. He wants a relationship with you. And he's looking for you. All you got to do is look for him. Look for him each and every day and you will find him. Open your heart to receive him. Problem is many people don't know where to look. And others don't know what they're looking for. Why is that? Why why is it so hard for people to, to know where to look? Well, Many times they've had bad experiences with church or Christians, right? Maybe they've been turned away from the church thinking, I, I went to that church and I, I didn't see God. I saw a bunch of people and I saw a bunch of other stuff and maybe it deterred them and they, they don't know where to go to look or maybe they feel like God has let them down. God's not for me. Maybe they have the wrong idea about God. Maybe they don't even know there is a banquet, let alone how to find God to get to the banquet, right? I mean, you look, look at the first century Jews they, they were memorizing the Torah. They, they knew the whole Old Testament. They, they were studying the scriptures. Their whole belief system was based on God sending a Messiah, a, a Savior, a chosen one to redeem them, to rescue them, to deliver them. And yet here's Jesus in the flesh, and he's saying like, hey, all this scripture, all these prophecies that we, you guys know, I'm fulfilling them. He's walking them out. I mean, born of a virgin. Like, like all these things that Jesus has already proven himself to be the Messiah, yet they missed it. They missed it because they were seeing with natural eyes rather than spiritual eyes. And we can do the same thing. But see, it's, it's so much more than just in the natural. It, it's, it is spiritual. Many times people can't see because the devil is blinding them. In 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. It's people can't see. 
People can't see it, and it, it, it takes a spiritual work to help people see. Because the reality is, you come to church, and maybe you're here, you're new here, you're new to church, and you say, there, there's a bunch of people that look a lot of messed up and jacked up and screwed up things like I do, right? And you're like, I, I thought people in church were supposed to be perfect and holy, and they are supposed to be holy, but not perfect, right? We look around the room. None of us are, are perfect, I'm not perfect. Pastor Rick's not perfect. None of us are perfect, but we're honest, vulnerable, open people who are searching for God each and every day to be more like him and less like myself. Don't let people deter you from what God is wanting to do. God is wanting to reach you. He's wanting to speak to you. He's wanting you to see him in the spiritual. Remember, we are spirits having a human experience. Not humans having a supernatural experience, but we are supernatural spiritual beings first. We just happen to be in these physical bodies right now. You may have heard the illustration of listening to the radio and there's interference. Like, you know, right now there's radio waves all through this room. Constantly there's, there's radio waves moving, but you can't hear the radio unless you tune in or have something to tune in to the frequency, right? In your car, you turn the frequency to hear the signal that's always going. God's always speaking. God's always, his, his, his signal is always going out. Yet we have all this other interference, all this other stuff, and we're not tuning in to hear his voice, to really know him and to experience. When you hear the voice of God and you hear it over and over, not just audibly, but you know that it's God speaking to you, it changes you. It changes when you're like, I know that I'm in this relationship. It's not just this big guy in the sky anymore, that it's a personal relationship. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you live. It'll change everything about you when you realize God is speaking to me and he hears my prayers as well. But there's often this spiritual interference. There's always this, these distractions and diversions in life. So the question is, are you diversion-driven or purpose-driven? See, all the diversions and the distractions, look around at how, many, how much we're on our cell phones. If you haven't done it, I'd say get on your cell phone. You can find how much time you've spent on the screen. It's scary. It's scary sometimes when you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, I, I spent how many hours playing Candy Crush or on Facebook or, or any game or anything like that. And I'm not saying, oh, that's bad, but when you see how much time you spend on your phones, and then I hear people say, oh, I don't have time for God. I don't have any time to pray. I don't have any time to read my Bible. You spend four hours on something that's quite honest, meaningless or has no eternal value, but we can't have time for prayer for reading our Bibles, for being nice to other people, taking the time to slow down. Almost every time I'm in traffic, I drive a lot to Imperial and back the other side of the city, and I'm often in traffic, and it's amazing how many people, I look in their cars, and I, I'm in a truck, so I kind of see down in the cars, and their people are on their phones. People are reading books. I've seen people reading the newspaper while driving down the parkway. Like They're like probably thinking, well, we're only going like 15, 20 miles an hour, but still, it's like you have to be so stimulated by something all the time even while driving, and if you're here and you drive and you read the book, or stop it. Cut it out in Jesus' name. It's dangerous, right? But diversion-driven, people, so much of the world is diversion-driven. I have to be on my phone. I have to be scrolling. I have to be watching videos. I have to be doing something all the time. And I'm, I'll be honest, I have a hard time just doing nothing. I always want to be working. I always want to be doing something, studying something, doing, going, going, going. And it's like, man, what if, what if we just sit and be still? Just be still not even thinking about anything, not even, not working about anything, not worrying about anything, just, just be still. Just say, God, help me be still. Help me to sit down 
and really realize what's most important in life. All the stuff, all the distractions, all the diversions, they really result in very little benefit to any of us. You know, I'm not trying to say you can never do any of that stuff. Like, I think there's, there's okay to have, have fun time. There's hobby time. There's times to just kind of check out for a little bit. But to be, really be purpose-driven, to have the purpose of knowing that people are going to hell each and every day. Not because God's sending them, because I believe it's God is sending us to them and we're not going. See, to have a purpose is to say, I, I know that I have a purpose to reach people for the gospel of Jesus. And not just preaching at them, but, but living in such a way and inviting people, being open and positive with people. See, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5, is talking a lot about spiritual warfare. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Everything we do should be a, have, have a spiritual component. It's not just go win people by convincing them or persuading them to believe in something you believe. It's not just open the Bible and read it to them and, hey, you, you need to believe this, you need to listen to this. I think that's a lot of times in the flesh, not that God can't work through that, but I believe the, the bigger thing is to, to pray in the spirit, to do spiritual warfare for your family, for your friends, for those who you want to reach with the hope of Jesus Christ, it's got to start with praying for them. Saying, God, give me the wisdom. Help me see how I can reach these people. Help me see them because, God, I know you love them more than I love them. So, God, help me see them as you see them. Help me destroy the arguments and every lofty opinion. It says we take down those false arguments. Be able to speak truth in love. See, you can speak truth all you want, but if it's not delivered well, it's not going to be received well. Right? It's like, eat this because it's good for you. That doesn't usually work. If you have children, you know that doesn't work. Right? But, but making it delivered in such a way that they can receive it. It's not manipulation. It's not deception. It's saying, with truth and love, it starts with our hearts. See, prayer isn't, isn't just for praying for people outside for them to get it. It's, God, change my heart. Change my heart first, God. Because if your heart is right, your heart's broken before God for what, broke, what breaks his heart, you'll approach people a lot differently. You'll go to them with the right attitude, with the right heart, and then know how to reach them for Christ. See, Jesus sees a ready harvest. Jesus sees the harvest is plentiful. I mean, it's amazing that we even have to talk about, but like, look at the chaos in the world. Look at the desperation of the world right now. To me, it's, it's, it's somewhat invigorating because we have such an opportunity to be the light. The light shines the brightest in the darkest times, right? What greater time to be in than right now? We get to be the church. We get to be the light, get to be that city on a hilltop, Matthew 5, 14. We get to love people. To me, sometimes it's almost easier, I think, to, to witness to people, to let, share with people because so much stuff's a mess right now, right? Matthew 9, verse 35. We're gonna spend the rest of our time looking in book of Matthew, Verse 35 starts, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and sickness. What an amazing verse. One of my favorite verses, just because it, it captures so much here. The, these, this passage, it captures so much. Jesus is traveling around, like he's doing it. 
He's really doing the ministry. He's traveling. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing every kind of disease and sickness. Why doesn't the chapter just end there? Right? Like, what an awesome thing to just read and say, man, I don't need anything else. Jesus is doing it. But instead, Jesus knew that even if he could go and preach and teach, and I believe anything he's God, that he could do it. But instead, he chose, as we see the next verse, what moves you when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, what, what moved Jesus was he, he was doing all this awesome work, but yet he, he saw the people. He's doing all this ministry. He's doing all this work. He's doing all this stuff. But when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, that word compassion, is, it's a lot deeper meaning than a lot of us probably even get to in our day-to-day life. See, there's a progression of pity to empathy to compassion. See, pity's like, oh, I hear what you're saying. I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. And that could be well-meaning, but empathy is then going to, oh, I feel for you. I, I really feel how you feel. I, I know what that's like. It, it really hurts. But compassion is, is moving on the inward parts. The most inner part of you is so moved that you have to be moved to action. It moves you to not just say, I feel for you. I'm sorry for you. But now I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something in my, whatever I can to help you to be moved, to be moved with compassion. I mean, there's a lot of things that move us, right? Any of you move for a good steak dinner, right? Maybe a, maybe a, a good movie that comes out, a, a concert, a TV shows. Well, there's a lot of things that move us and not, not that that's bad, but if all those things really move us, like I gotta go there. I have to be there. I, I have to put action to where I'm going. There's gonna be a cost. There's gonna be a sacrifice. There's gonna be travel potentially. Like, right, you, you do all these things for something that moves you, how much greater should the people of God move us? Especially when they're confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The question really is, do we, do we see people as God sees them? Do we see the people that are hurting, the people who are separated spiritually from God? Do I see hurting people or do I just see people's problems, issues? They're just going to slow me down. I got too many things to do today. I can't stop and help this person. Right? It's amazing to see the power we have. See, I, recently I've been at a grocery store, and uh, there's, I was checking out the register, and the woman just seemed stressed. She seemed really bothered. And I just said, hey, thank you so much for working today. And she stopped, and I said, thank you for working so you can, I can get my groceries and feed my family. I said, just, I just want to say thank you. It changed her whole demeanor. She, she just like smiled, like, well, it's, oh, it's no big deal. And I'm like, no, no, like, it, it means something just to say thank you to someone who's working so that I can get food in a timely manner and get home, right? Like, stopping and just being positive, just being thankful changes people. That probably changed the rest of her day. She probably was going to quit, and she said, she's like, well, at least one person recognizes me. I don't know, I'm adding that. But, you know, that, those little things that we have are so powerful, yet we don't realize it. Now imagine if we could get to the power and presence of God on a daily basis. Not just humanism, not just being positive, but to really have that power and presence of God. When you're, when you're sitting down to eat, hey, what's going on in your life? The server says, yeah, oh man, my grandma just passed away. Oh, can I take 30 seconds and pray for you? 30 seconds, real quick. Almost every time they say yes. And you just pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit on them. And you pray for them and you let God do the rest. Our job is to invite. Yesterday at Home Depot, my wife and Judah and I were walking around, ran into a couple, and uh, we're talking, and she's, long story, but she ends up getting to, like, we yeah, others, I, I don't, we don't go to church anymore. I said, 
why don't you come and see? Come and see what church is. Because she talked about another church that wasn't very good like, to her, in her opinion, I would say. But I said, I said, you know what, why don't you come and see? Come and see what church is about. And she didn't show up today because I wouldn't have shared this. But the idea of how simple it is to invite somebody. I did what I was supposed to do. I invited them. Let God do the rest. Now, next time, hopefully we see them. She knows Rachel. Rachel can keep inviting her. Our job is to plant seeds. Our job is to water them. Our job is to just invite. We don't always see the harvest every single time, but to keep inviting, to keep watering, keep planting. What moves you is what we need to start with is caring that we don't care. Caring that we don't care. When I, when I drive around, I see the people around us hurting I see desperate, and to read, you know, these words that Jesus saw the crowds as confused and helpless. Other translations talk about them being dispirited, distressed, harried and harassed. That's the state of the world right now. And unfortunately, it's the state of a lot of the church, that they're like sheep without a shepherd. See, what bothered Jesus so much wasn't that they necessarily they were just confused and helpless. It's because they were sheep without a shepherd. They weren't being shepherded. They weren't part of the flock. And they weren't inviting other people to come in. See, Matthew, he wrote the, this, this book, the book of Matthew. And earlier in chapter 9, it says when Matthew, who's a tax collector, he meets Jesus. Jesus asks him to follow him. The first thing he does, it says he, he starts inviting his friends over for a party. It says he invites Jesus, his disciples, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. What a great party right? And, and I just picture like, I, I know there's been depictions and movies and stuff, and I picture like Matthew's inviting all these people to come. Just come, just come. We're going to throw a party. And you know, the guys are bringing alcohol. They're bringing all this other stuff. And, and then it's like, Matthew's probably like, hey, God, like Jesus has come. Like Jesus, you can't have that. Or I could just see like the tension in the room. Yet Matthew knew something. As, as he was a tax collector, he knew how sinful he was. He knew how he'd been taking advantage of his own people. He knew how greed had been driving him. Yet if Jesus could reach him, Jesus could reach his friends as well. As, as they were called tax collectors and disreputable sinners, Matthew knew that if, if God could reach his heart, he could reach anybody. That's how I feel. If God could reach me, if God could change my heart as wicked and wretched as I was, he could reach anybody. Nobody's beyond his reach because he's looking for people. He's looking for people to truly say, I'm sorry, I repent, I don't want to live this way, and I'm going to follow you each and every day for the rest of my life. That's what God is looking for, but it starts with us being moved with compassion to invite people. How many of you were invited to church? Raise your hands. Invited to church at some point. Most of you, most people are invited to church by somebody else. Right? Very rarely does it just, God told me to come here, but it's often somebody else invited them to come. And that's how people meet Jesus the most often. Yet looking around, we see so many people, even people who are Christians who believe in Jesus, they're not connected to a local church. You know, one of the most dangerous things as a sheep is to be off by itself. See, sheep are, are stubborn. They're, they're, uh, uh, they like to do their own thing. They don't listen well. They don't obey very well. They need a shepherd to shepherd them. Sheep get stuck in pits and ditches and between rocks and in fences. They're, they're always getting in trouble and always needing help. And sheep often will eat, eat whatever they want, things that are bad for them, like poisonous plants. And, and when they get isolated away from the flock, they can be picked off by a predator a lot easier. And sheep sound a lot like people, right? Stubborn, like to do their own thing, get stuck and need help a lot. When they get isolated, they get picked off by the predator, by the enemy, by their own thoughts. 
See, there's safety in the numbers. There's safety in the flock. There's a covering, not just with one another, which is huge, but there's also a shepherd to protect them, to lead them, to guide them, to feed them and protect them. That's the role of a shepherd. And Jesus, he calls himself the good shepherd in John 10, 14. Jesus is the good shepherd. Ultimately, it starts with him, but he calls other people to shepherd his flock as well. He calls pastors, he calls leaders, he calls you to also shepherd. You're, you're part of the flock. If you're not a part of the flock, get connected. Go to Next Steps. We have Next Steps right after church. Stick around for it. Get connected to a local church because we don't want anybody being like a sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus, he continues in verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. See, Jesus, he didn't just go to the world. He didn't go out to the, the strangers. He went with, to his disciples first. See, a disciple is someone who, who takes thought and puts it into action. They take this teaching from Jesus and they apply it to their lives. They walk it out. How many of you would consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? Most of the people in the room, most of us would consider as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple. Well, he's speaking to you. He's not asking the world. He's not asking the president. He's not asking Congress to fix the problems in the world. He's asking us, his church. We are the only ones who have the true answer to solve all the problems in the world. And the answer is Jesus. You have the hope within you that solves the problems of the world. All this stuff, all the craziness, all this chaos in the world. I mean, we're in the month of June that the world is celebrating as Pride Month, right? It's, they're celebrating something that's a sin that's, that God clearly lays out and we can speak to the issue, but still love the person. There's not a single person that lives a homosexual lifestyle who is a drunkard, a liar, a thief, or murderer that we shouldn't still love the person because Jesus loved them. It says when he looked upon the crowds, he had compassion on them. We don't know what type of people were in that crowd. There could have been murderers and rapists and all kinds of swindlers, but yet Jesus had compassion on them. See, speak to the issue, speak to the agenda, but love the person. Love the person every single time. Have compassion. Say, I, I know this isn't what's best for you. I know this isn't the way God wants you to live. I love you enough to tell you the truth and I don't want you to stay this way. See, the, the whole invitation is come as you are. Come as you are. That should always be our invitation. Come as you are. Then let God do the rest. Let God do a work in their hearts to draw them with the word of God through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He'll do the hard work. He'll do the heavy lifting. Our job is to invite the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Do you believe it's God's will for his church to grow? See, we read these verses. These are Jesus' words. The harvest is great. How come we don't act like it all the time? And I'm speaking to myself. We don't always act like the harvest is great, right? that it's plentiful, that people are so ready to hear the good news of Jesus. People are desperate and crying out for the good news of Jesus. Do we believe that God wants people to be set free? Do we believe that God wants to heal people of depression, of physical infirmities, of, of anxiety, of fear? Do we believe that God wants to do a work in people's lives? If we do, that should change how we look at people and our, our approach to them. So Jesus gives the answer. He says, the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields see, the moment that it's time to harvest, all hands are on deck. All, all, everybody is on for the harvest. There's, there's areas in like Idaho with the potato farmers. Schools shut down. The town shuts down because everybody's on to harvest. 
Everybody, and there's different harvest seasons, there's different places where there's harvest in the natural. And to recognize that when, there's, when it's time for harvest, if you don't harvest it, it's wasted. When it stays too long, it gets wasted. Yet Jesus is saying, ask for more work, ask God who's in charge of the harvest to send more workers into his field. So you're called to be a part of the harvest. Not just to do more work, but to truly be a worker, to train and equip. See, he went to the disciples and said, beseech the Lord to get other people involved as well. It doesn't just end with us. That's why we have the Pittsburgh mission trip. It's coming up this week and four days from now, Thursday night, Friday and Saturday. If you haven't signed up, you haven't registered, I'm, in, I'm imploring you and encouraging you, get registered for this. Come to this. Even if you can only make it Thursday evening at seven o'clock at our North Braddock campus, come. You'll, you'll be inspired by the messages and the, the time of worship and prayer that we're gonna have. It's coming up this week. You can still get signed up, get registered, come and be a part of what Jesus is talking about. The harvest is great. I believe the harvest is great in Murraysville, PA, in Harrison City, in Plum, in Penn Trafford, in Franklin Regional School District, in Jeanette, in, in uh, Greensburg. We go to all these different regions to reach people because I take Jesus' word to be true. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You can join the call. Join the call to be a worker for God. Be encouraged, be courageous, and be more afraid of God than anyone else. Right? We, we often will hold back from asking somebody or inviting somebody or sharing our faith with somebody because we're afraid to offend them or we might displease them or some other reason or maybe just fear of rejection. And I get it. But getting in that place where I need to fear God more than displeasing people. Because if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. But if you're walking in obedience to God, he'll always make up the rest. You know, the reality is I've never encountered someone who's regretted coming to Christ. Never met someone who said, I wish I never got saved. I wish I didn't know about Jesus. I wish, I mean, sometimes there's a part, I wish I didn't so I could keep on living this wild living, right? But the reality is they know deep down, I, I, I never regret coming to Jesus. I'm so glad that somebody invited me to church, that someone invited me personally to come to church and experience God. I'm so glad for that. But see, in Luke 19, 41, just as a reference for you, Jesus, as he's coming to Jerusalem, he says he looks over the city and he wept. Jesus wept over the city. He wasn't weeping over the buildings. He wasn't weeping over the roads. He, he's weeping over the people, over the people, because he saw the state of the people. You know, as I shared as we opened that Psalm 69, that they're just talking about where I believe a lot of the state of people are. The water's up to their neck. They can't take it anymore. The throat's parched from crying out for help. People all around us are crying out for help. They're begging for help. They're begging for an answer. They're saying, I don't know what to do. They're going to counseling. They're going to they're get medication. They're going to get all these other things. And yet here we are as God's people. We have the best solution for them to pray for them, for them to be set free from the demonic strongholds, to be set free from the, the physical things. Yet we're, we're so focused on ourselves. And I'm trying to encourage you that we get the privilege to go and be Jesus to people. We are ambassadors to share Jesus with the world. That should thrill us. That should bring us joy to realize that I get to help people. I get to rescue people. I get to bring people to Jesus and let him save them. What greater joy is there in life? What greater purpose is there in life than that? 
above my marriage, above my family, above anything else I do, bringing people to Jesus is the most important thing any of us can do. Now, love your spouse, love your kids, do all those things to the best of your ability, but then have that joy and that purpose inside of us that drives us to love people, to witness to people. It's really simple, come and see, come and see. That's the only thing you take away today is to go out and say, come and see. Come and, come and see what I, get, what I get to experience in my church. Come and see this, this way of living that's so much better, that's so much freer, freer. There's so much joy in it. See, the more in love with someone you are, the more you care about what they care about. Right? How many of you guys watching Hallmark movies, Lifetime movies, right? How many ladies, you're watching Hallmark movies because he wants to watch them? It goes both ways. Yeah. But you love things that your you're person you're in a love relationship with, you love what they love more the more you're in a relationship with them. The more you walk with God, the more I walk with God, the more I read the Bible, the more people break my heart. I used to be someone who said, I hate people. I don't like people. I don't want to be around people. Then God got a hold of my heart. And the more I walk with him, the more I see people as valuable to God. And I want to care about what God cares about more than anything else. How about you? It's got to start with us seeing people around us. When we look at people around us, we need to, I'm going to give you four things here. To see what Jesus sees. To see what Jesus sees. To be filled with compassion. It's got to start there. If we're, we're seeing people as problems or as just distractions or slowing us down. You're never going to get to the rest. But seeing what Jesus sees, having compassion for people, realizing that people may be lost and hurting. I say all the time, I'd always assume somebody's not saved then assume they are. Because the, the consequences of someone being saved and they, you think they're not saved are a lot less than if you think they're not saved and you do nothing about it. Now, I want to be very clear. We don't save anybody, but God uses us to speak to people, to see people as lost and hurting and to care about them. To realize God wants everyone to find him. Do we really believe that God wants all people, that all men would be saved? all mankind, all women and men and children to be saved, to find him, to remember God is looking for workers to reach people who don't know him. He's looking for more of you. He's looking for us, you and me and us together. It's not just you on your own, it's us together to be the workers into the harvest. The harvest is great. It's plentiful. It's bountiful. There's people all around us who are desperate and crying out for God. We have the answer. We have the answer. It takes us to go. It's not just the pastor's job. It's, it's all of us together to say, come and see. Come and meet this Jesus. Let me, let me pray for you 30 seconds. Maybe that's a step for you at lunch today. Offer to pray 30 seconds for your server. Watch what God will do. Real basic. Don't get into teaching and theology and doctrine and stuff. Just, just pray for them. Love them. Demonstrate God's love for them by stopping enough and saying, hey, I know you're real busy. Let me pray for you, 30 seconds. Just pray for them. Pray for them. And watch what happens as God continues to use you and grow you and show you his power and his presence. Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants his sheep to be brought in to the flock. Amen. At this time, if you could all please stand to your feet. And one more verse before we close. And it's Matthew 10, verse 1 
See, the Bible is written often as, as letters, as long. They didn't have the chapters and verses all broken out. And I believe this ties right into the end of Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. See, that, that casting out word, as you cast out a demon, as you cast out evil spirits, it's actually the same word that Jesus is using to send his disciples referenced earlier. He says he's sending them out. It's like you're being launched out of this, this building, being launched out to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. As you go to lunch, or you go to your plans, whatever it is you have the rest of the day, he's calling us together right now. He's giving you, he's already given us the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. Do you believe it? Do you really believe that God has given you that authority? It's his word. He said it, not me. He's saying it. I just want to pray over you right now to receive, once again, to receive that excusia authority, that authority that comes from God, that only comes from him to be able to cast out evil spirits to heal every sickness and disease. If you want more authority from God, want to walk in that greater authority, I just invite you to lift up your hands or open your hands up as I pray for you. Father God, I pray right now over each and every person here. God, that one, we'd be moved with compassion for people. God, may you break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, as we look at people, we don't see problems, we don't see issues, but we see people as sons and daughters of yours. God, I pray that you'd break our hearts and God, you'd help us see people as lost and hurting. But then God, that you'd give us that authority, God, to speak to people, to speak to even the demonic, to to do spiritual warfare on behalf of other people. God, as we pray for our family and our friends each and every day, God, I pray you'd move not in, just in their hearts, but in our hearts as well to see people as you see them. God, I pray for a boldness and a courage right now over every single person here. God, that we'd receive from you your Holy Spirit, your authority, the same authority that rose Jesus from the dead, that same authority that cast out every evil spirit and every sickness and disease would be healed in Jesus' name. God, I pray you release that authority now on each and every person here. May they receive your Holy Spirit so, God, that we can go out to be launched out from this place to be your ambassadors. God, we pray for lives to be touched, lives to be changed and transformed as we know the harvest is great. We know the harvest is plentiful. God, we know that you will receive all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing before we dismiss. Becca's gonna come up and share some things with you, but most important thing we do is to help you understand that you can begin a relationship with God. Before you get to all the the stuff that we talked about today, you gotta start with having a relationship with God. Meaning you allow him to be the forgiver of your past, that only he could truly forgive you of everything you've done. And then he's gonna become the leader into your future. If you wanna know what that means to have a relationship with God, I invite you just to slip up your hand and we're we're gonna talk with you. We're gonna help you understand your next steps. Anybody here today, you say, that's me, I... I need to make sure I understand this relationship with God. Not religion, but a relationship. Anybody at all today? Amen. Well, Father God, I pray there be many more people that come next week as a result of us going and inviting as many people as possible to come and see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Becca, come on up.
You can all be seated.